1: than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob.
2: All right, we are back. It is time for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. Almost the entire crew is here. Bob is on vacation. Yes, I'm acutely aware. I heard it. Uh, everybody's always been... Hounding me about it. I definitely heard that George is not on the the intro on that. It was, in my, is- ma- it was in
3: my mailbag this week. I got a question about it. Did you really? It. I and think I you said- need to prove your worth before we <laughs> well, just let you in. I said, I not only do I need to prove my worth, but uh, it's kind of like I'm a surprise guest every
0: week. So I kind of like it. You're a reoccurring surprise guest, though. Yeah.
2: Yes, recurring surprise guest. Uh, anyway, George Stoy is here. Eddie Rodasiewicz is here. Josh uh, is almost introduced you as Josh Heupel because that's been so much talk lately. Um, but, no, Josh is here. It's a very big week and a weekend. Uh, there's a lot of camps going on, kind of a private invite kind of deal. Uh, so we're not going to be in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we should start there. Um, but...
0: No, we're good. I was just saying, turn my headphones up a little bit. Okay. Oh, there we go. Uh, there we go. Yeah, okay. we're good now. There you go. We're good.
2: So, uh, anyway, there was something, George, you were talking about, and I said, that's a pod topic that we need to save.
0: Oh, we were talking about sake and uh, Sapporo and how it pairs with uh, sushi.
1: Well, yeah, my, oh. my contention being that, you know, like. You're uh, a sushi eater, Josh. A huge. I, I, and I like it with sake. That is generally my go-to. Cold
0: or hot, though?
1: I'm usually a hot guy. Yeah. Um, now, I will say I have one weird thing because um, I'm not a big drinker with my food. I don't really like to do that. But a long time ago, I kind of got into the big Lebowski and sushi at the same time. And so I have a weird mental connection with uh, white Russians and sushi. So that's a weird thing that I do sometimes. That is
0: one of the strangest things I've ever heard. You, you'll get a white it, Russian with sushi? Yeah. Yeah, is I
3: it frozen? Know, it, Do you get a frozen one
0: or is it on the rocks?
3: No, okay.
1: no, it's just on the rocks. Um, and uh, literally, about half the sushi joints I go to and order it, they're like, "You want a what?" Yeah. And, like I have, to, I have to like explain it because a they don't really know how to make it, or b they can't believe I'm actually ordering it.
3: Also, I got a lot of shit in the mailbag for saying that uh, my top five movies: Big Lebowski was in there, Dazed and Confused. Everybody wants some. Um, uh, I can't remember the other, t- the nice guys and something else. Everybody was saying they were a bad group of five. I thought it was a great
2: group. It's a younger group of five, I would say. Yeah. But what with I, some old old stuff thrown in there. I
3: love watching this.
1: What I, I like about it. Go ahead, George: Oh, Jeff. sorry. Go ahead, George. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, I was just going to say that it, for me, my criteria is if it's on, I want to watch it and I'll rewatch it over and over again. It's not like it's like, oh, this is a great film the way that it was made. It's just like I love watching that movie a hundred times.
1: And, and that's my thing, Carrie. Like, are you this way? Because I know you and I kind of share some music snobbery. But this, like, movies, I'm not that way. I just want to be like, I want to just enjoy it. Like, I don't really need it to be like. I don't want to watch Schindler's List. Like, I don't care about that. Like, I'm sure it's a great movie, and I've seen you it once a long, long time yeah, ago. you should watch yeah, it once. Exactly. You like, be anti-Semitic. I mean, come on. So, the one I always go back to is Traffic. Like that's an incredible movie, but it is hard as hell to watch because it's just brutal. Like it's just a hard thing to sit through more than once because you don't want to take in that information again. Um, was it like, like a
2: Soderbergh movie? Uh, is it that was right? Shot like a Soderbergh. I don't know if it was though. I don't yeah, even, I don't even I, know what that means. Steven Soderbergh. He did. Uh, he did all the oceans movies. Mm-hmm. He oh. did. Uh, what was the one with Jennifer Lopez and? Uh, George Clooney, that's such a great underrated movie. Flight? Entrapment? Is that Entrapment? No, I think Entrapment, right? was, no, entrapment was Sean Connery. That's Sean Connery, isn't it? And uh, yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. Eyes Wide Shut. or is that the Tom Cruise? Traffic is
0: a Steven Soderbergh movie, 2000. Yeah. Christmas movie. It came out on uh, December 27th.
1: Interesting. Oh, my God. I can't think of a worse movie to like watch with your family at Christmas. It's like a... George it's was a judge, and was, oh, it's bad. Was it you
3: that was explaining Barbie to me? Yeah, I went and saw Barbie.
2: Did you see Oppenheimer? No, I haven't seen it. I'm going to go see it this week. Okay, but Barbie sounds awful for guys to go watch. I, I to would be
0: definitely
3: disappointed I, to find I, out that you went and it's, saw it. I mean, it's it's very um, feminist, but I thought it was funny. I, Ryan Gosling, though, steals the movie. I mean, I think he was the funniest part of the whole movie. He was hilarious. Is
2: there ever a point in the movie where like they make him naked and he's not anatomically correct? No, anatomically? I Anatomically?
3: Mean, he just... The whole premise is like he finds out... Uh, he lives in Barbie Land. I, I guess I don't want to spoil the movie. Yeah, let's not do that on yeah, the, the biggest pod in Oklahoma. But he's right? hilarious. He's great in the movie. You should go see it. After you see Oppenheimer, because I've heard Oppenheimer is... Phenomenal.
2: I've heard from my nephew, who is a bit of a movie expert. He's a manager at a movie uh, theater. He said Oppenheimer is okay on a regular screen, but it's fantastic on IMAX. Okay. So if you see it, if you could go see it in IMAX. Although, those things are like booked for like weeks in advance. Oh, we got Bob Stoops on the Oppenheimer
0: in IMAXs? Uh huh. Oh really? That, they say that's the show. I was so close to going to Oppenheimer on Sunday, and then it was like, okay, I, it's I, three hours. I long. know, and I, that doesn't. I don't have a problem with a long movie. It's really if it's really good, but I don't know.
2: See, this is. I mean, this is this is so ESPN and college football media in general. Like they're they're interviewing Bob Stoops about the XFL. Well, they're having a combine today in Arlington. Right. It's a combine, so it's a big deal. But Marcellus Sutton was uh, participating. I was saw. he really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know he was trying to play still. But, like, college football, there's people starting college football practices today. And it's not even a big deal on today? sports there. Yeah. Really? I think so.
0: Like think the week us, zero the teams? The week zero teams, yeah. So USC started practice today?
2: I don't know if they started. I think, like, uh, Duke started today or something. Huh.
0: I have no idea. I, I just assumed that everybody was starting at the same uh, same point next
2: week. No, I think everybody gets to go a week earlier if they're playing week zero games. Okay. Which USC well, that, is. That would
0: make sense. That would make sense.
2: Uh, anyway, it is. Uh, I think it's time now uh, for our Enjoy uh, Fresh Perspective look around because I wanted to start out with recruiting uh, today. And, Eddie, we'll get you to tell us about your perfect vision and our drive to uh, Nashville that you used it quite well. Um, but, Josh, real quick, just kind of – let us know what the calendar is doing right now. There's a camp today. There's uh, the party on at the Palace coming up this weekend.
1: Yeah, you've got two huge events, uh, you know, stacked basically over the next 72 hours. And though there's already guys on campus right now, guys starting to come in, uh, you know, Kevin Sperry's tweeted that he's there. Uh, we've had the first offer of the day go out to Abdul Sanders, a linebacker from Mater Dei uh, in Orange County in California. So, They are very active, but I mean, the visitor list for this thing is today is massive. I mean, some of the really elite players from this region, some guys, I mean, there are, I think I've got about 35 guys confirmed, um, and these are almost unanimously guys holding offers, a lot of four stars, a lot of on 300 type guys, I mean, really top end type prospects. So uh, that's a big one. I think the party at the palace is going to be interesting because it's not the the name event like it was last year, where you had the David Hicks and Colton Vossick and Macari Vickers and all these guys. I don't know that it's going to be that big. I think, you're, but you may see a lot of guys be able to get a lot of attention, like namely Danny Okoye and Grant Bricks, uh, two of Oklahoma's more important recruits, in my opinion. That maybe I don't think enough people talk about, but I, I think they're going to get a lot of focus, and there'll be plenty of other guys there but i I do think you know i've had some people ask me you know what are the commitments going to look like if we're talking in a month and there are you know between 24 and 25 classes if there are seven eight commitments it wouldn't surprise me i mean i I think it's going to be a very busy three or four weeks here in uh you know kind of on oklahoma's commitment list
0: i guess uh we'll backtrack a little bit but you know, Friday was obviously a massive day for Oklahoma's football and baseball programs with the commitment of Taylor Tatum. Uh, Kerry, George, and I took in the uh, commitment on the way back. listened to the uh, the long view thing, which I'm not saying this in a derogatory term. It was the most long view Texas like this is a celebration. Big shit, yeah, mm-hmm. big shit football though. Like the, I thought the production and everything that yeah. we listened to on the stream was excellent. I mean, it, it was impressive uh, to listen to, but obviously. Being in the SEC played an important role in, uh, you know, getting the number one running back in the country to commit, and uh, it's kind of exciting. It felt like it had been a long while since there was that much celebration over a commitment, and obviously when you go head-to-head with USC, it's going to be like that.
2: Back to the Longview production. I feel like the Youngs pulled one over on me on that trip. How so? You were like, hey, you can go ahead and plug your phone up to the car and we'll listen to what you want to listen to, which meant I couldn't look at anything. I couldn't get on Instagram because the music would turn off. You know, I, I, you, you trapped
1: me in the back seat. I have no outside world. That's I, the way that it should have used been. My, you used me. Carrie, this is dad life. This happens to me all the time. My girls are watching iPads. My wife's looking at her phone. And they're like, well, dad, we want to we listen to this. And I'm like, no, you cannot have that. That's all I have <laughs> It's what I listen to. So you, I, I claim domain. Yeah, it was a, it was a lesson learned. Well,
0: it was either that, or you had to listen to a couple more uh, Tim Dillon podcasts. Those were great. They were I great. They, they, I think there was some life advice that was thrown out there that uh, you know is applicable for everybody.
2: I think you two are never. I've never thought you two were more weird than I did after that trip in those podcasts. Weird. <laughs> I thought the same it's about called, you, Carrie. It's, <laughs> called, it's
0: called staying up to date with everything that's going on in this world. But they were old podcasts, so I guess we do have a little bit of leeway there. Anyways, Taylor Tatum, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: now, you know, like I said, I, I did think it was interesting, kind of like what you guys were saying. Like, it was such a celebration of Longview High School football, and I think there's probably a lot of OU fans who are like, I didn't know it was a big deal like this. I mean, Longview is a big, big deal. They, they've produced a lot of guys. You look, you know, I thought one of the interesting things was them talking to Oscar Wilson, the running backs coach, and kind of – all the running backs they've yeah. had come through Longview. I mean, there there are some really good ones through the years, and uh, you know, I think if, if if you you know could sit down candidly and have a beer with those guys, I think they'd probably tell you Taylor's is as good as any of them, and they've had some. I believe Vondrell McGee, who played with Malcolm Kelly, I want to say he was State Player of the Year his senior year, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, they they've had some big big time guys. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I thought that is a huge win for Oklahoma beyond just, I mean, I, I realize the fans are going to love the, the aspect of beating Lincoln Riley. And I, the thing I'll say about that is it just felt so familiar. USC's leading for a long time. They look like they're in great shape. They've really zeroed in on one player and not allowed themselves a lot of backup options. I've covered that recruiting. I know what that looks like. I've done that for a while. So it was just like, man, I, I I mean I don't want to harp on the USC section but it's just I don't know like there's a point where I'm like are there any lessons being learned from some of these things like th- they have done this before That was a
2: traumatizing uh, year for you Josh. I I felt bad.
1: Uh, yeah
2: that that What was that, it it was uh, Kamar Wheaton and Tristan Lee I think both in that. Oh Kamar back-to-back? Wheaton,
1: Tristan Lee, Bryce Foster um I mean that, uh, that Bryce that, Foster that, was, was your COVID, own fault. It was Let's the face it. covid class. I don't know what if you heard that? that, but I said Bryce Foster was your own fault, and you know that. <laughs> I, you know, I, It's one of those things where I want to be like I want to tell everyone who I talked to in that conversation and was and like I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I'll <laughs> Bryce Foster and and Still Josh scarred. Jacobs are like my rabbit holes. I will absolutely fall down those every time if I allow myself. Um, but anyway, but yeah, w- with Tatum uh, again, you know, he's a guy. Um, and I compared him in the, in the breakdown story to like a light, like a Joe Mixon light. Like he really, there's a lot in his game that reminds me of Joe, uh, from the way he moves, the way he's a very skilled receiver. I mean, they line him up in the slot. I know they talked about it in, the, in that Longview uh, presentation, but uh, they do a lot of stuff with him. And I think he's he is a near ideal fit for what Oklahoma wants to do at running back with his size and, like I said, that ability as a receiver, but he's also just a gifted runner. I mean, he, he really is a a top-shelf tailback, and then you think of all that he brings in baseball as well. I mean, he's just a huge win for Oklahoma's athletic department, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I, look, I think that's kind of the, – the Lincoln-Riley thing took it over the top, though. I mean, it's like, yeah, Oklahoma gets five stars here and there uh and everybody celebrates it but like everywhere I went whether it was you know the store if somebody knew who I was there they were so jacked up about that recruiting win just because of the the circumstances around it more so than the actual players most people don't know what this kid looks like or you know haven't watched film on him like I think everybody you guys looks have. at
0: oh he's the number one right running yeah. back and then you go yeah and it's obvious that and they, that's why it attracts.
2: And I think they kind of know it screwed over USC in a lot of ways because sure. they they'd sold out to sign him or to well, get his if commitment. if you
0: know a little bit of the
3: backstory too behind DeMarco and and him kind of almost being in limbo of where he was going to go. And then he ends right, up, yeah. you know, staying and, um, obviously winning that recruiting battle. I mean, that's huge for him too.
2: Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, and Josh, maybe you can speak to this better than anybody. Um, but it it did feel like he just got left behind but i remember he and kale really sucked it up did everything they could to you know work hard to to keep that recruiting class together until brent got there uh and it looked at the time like okay he got left hung out to dry and now it looks like well he screwed him right back
1: yeah it is i mean and you know you think about it the the fights that he, that Demarco had to lead, and guys, we talked about it at the time that there very much was almost a Demarco Murray-like drawing a line in the sand, like you're with us or against us kind of thing. And they they were ve- he was very pivotal, not only in Javante Barnes but Jake Taylor, um, some of those Sartre. West Coast guys that yeah, that exactly yeah. You know when Gavin, you know, famously tweeted out the uh, the Wolf of Wall Street video. You know I'm not going anywhere. So um, and I think that was uh, a lot of that was Demarco. I mean, saying, "Hey, man, we don't need you to just be with us. We need you to be out there on Twitter, on social media, making it clear, like you know what you want to do, where you want to be, and everyone else should, you know, stay with us," kind of thing. Um, so I, I think that was that was really big. Um, and and I thought it was kind of one of those moments where you first started to think like. Maybe maybe Demarco's got a pretty big future in this someday because I think a lot of guys that that frankly didn't have a lot of coaching experience and didn't have a lot of um, time served, you know, even though he's so familiar at Oklahoma, would have kind of ducked away from that. But he didn't. I mean, he really was one. You know, and and you're right, Kel Gundy deserves credit as well. But Demarco, being the young guy that he was, I was always pretty impressed with how much he kind of took that on his shoulders, and now you look at that running back room and what they've done and whether they get Caden Durham or not, I mean, that running back room has been transformed in the matter of a couple of years to, uh, you know, that there's there's multiple NFL guys that are going to be in that, you know, in that room for the coming years.
0: It really is amazing when you look at what that thing was, you know, two years ago even. And I don't want to, they always had, I don't want to say a home run guy, but, you know, obviously Kennedy Brooks was really good and then they usher in the Eric Gray era. But now it seems like, that that entire depth chart is stacked with guys that, you know, even I, I don't think they're going to get lost in the discussion, but even guys that they came in uh, that are going to be t- technically true freshmen now with uh, Daylon Smothers and Caleb Hicks, it seems like, you know, they're not just stopgap guys uh, when you're talking about bringing in the uh, the 2024 group.
1: Well, Marcus Major was used to be seen as like the young guy that was going to break out. And I mean. Marcus Major's a talented guy but like there was no expectation of him as a recruit like oh he's going to be the foundation piece of an offense but now I mean you look at the young guys I mean the buzz about Caleb Hicks is really big Dalen Smothers I think is one of the most underrated players maybe in that whole 2023 class across the country because he didn't play as a senior. People just kind of forgot about him and how good he was, how talented he was. Um, but I mean, I, I thought he was a fringy top 100 guy in the country and he just kind of sneaks onto OU's campus. And I, I think it's going to take some time for him to find his feet and that kind of stuff. But um, I like I said, uh, you, you throw in now Robinson-Tatum. Not only is it a really talented backfield, you've got a lot of different types of guys. I mean, Dalen Smothers and Xavier Robinson could not be more different as players. Sure. But if you can find a way to make that work and have them together, that's there's a lot of variety in what you can do.
0: As for, uh, you know, the running back can only be as good as the guys that are blocking in front of them. Uh, I, I think it was probably much needed, would be the way to say it, with the commitment of uh, Eugene. Uh, on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, that's one, you know, just to calm everybody down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of angst over Bill Biedenbo and, and what's going on with offensive line recruiting. And uh, this morning's woke, we had something on Michael Fasusi, who's a fringy five star in the 2025 class. And I can tell you, Oklahoma's as good a shape with him as anybody's gonna be. I mean, like they they are right there. That was the first time his family got to go, so they impressed him as well. But but to Eugene Brooks, this is a guy that you know. You look through the years of the guys that Bill has had some success with. There's some element of these guys like the. He's probably 15 pounds heavier than he should be right now. He's carrying some bad weight. At times, you can see it on tape that he doesn't move like he should because of it. But you get him here, you let him work with Jerry Schmidt. He, you know, that kind of transforms his body. He's a good athlete. Like I can watch him on tape. He bends at the knee. He can move laterally in pass protection. Like th- there's some stuff there that I like. Um, but again, I, he's nowhere near a finished product. That I, I get why he kind of is ranked where he is. But there is stuff that if you have the right strength and conditioning guy, you have a coach who can teach you technically, I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that BJ Brooks can't be a really good player. And you look at his offer list guys. I mean, you can say whatever you want to about his ranking because I hear you fans all the time. Well, look at the offer list. His offer list is Texas, USC, Georgia, Texas, A&M, like a bunch of big time schools. Now I'm not telling you they were all there at the end. They weren't. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying those schools thought enough of him to offer him. There is talent there. Now it's about whether Oklahoma can kind of kind of get that out of him because this class, I, I think we can all accept, is going to be a bit of a developmental group. They they need these guys to pan out. And they need Schmidt and Biedenboe to be the kind of guys that we all think they are and can find talent where maybe others missed on it.
2: I... Uh... Were you talking about Eugene Brooks just there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I zoned out a little bit, maybe. Hey, it's not just me. It happens <laughs> to others, too. That's exciting, you know?
2: Got a lot of stuff going on. George is busy yeah, eating yeah. all the chicken, so we have a
3: fly. And right. the uh, sopapillas. You got mad about that. God, George. Like, there was almost any, I any, uh, a mental, mental breakdown.
2: I had <laughs> And you ate, you ate like eight of them. I
3: I, mean, I don't I need three. them. I'm fat. I don't need them. And they were the did small a favor, ones. They were like right? the little bite-sized Mini sopa
2: peas, yeah. They were, uh, they were delicious. Josh didn't even see, pay
1: for this. I paid for this. This is what's going to be – this is why the YouTube stuff is going to be amazing because people don't see this. Like they, like just they Just a table understand. full of
2: fuzzies and, and George just downing it all.
1: Well, and the funniest thing, and it's it's stuff that I didn't even realize until we started doing some of this, uh, you know, over video, is, like, the guys will set me up for a question knowing I'm going to talk for two and a half damn minutes. The and then they're, like, yeah. eating or drinking or checking their phones. Like, there's no interest in what I've got to say. It's just presenting it to everybody else. So I, I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, that everybody, that the fans are the people that actually care about me. And that's important to me. So, you know.
2: We really need to televise the Zooms where Josh is giving us the updates on recruiting every week and how we, you know, we get it all there first.
1: Sure. Oh, replay. absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is secondary. We, we've talked about all this at least twice already.
2: Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, Party at the Palace because we kind of just glossed over that. Like This is more of an event for younger players, right? This is almost like a, a, a new type of junior day.
1: Now, well, it depends. Okay, are you flipping? So the party at the palace is on Friday. If you're right, talking right. about what's going on today, that's the Sooners under the sun thing or under the stars. I think and is what we're calling it. Younger,
2: younger players. No, yeah, that's is, the that's yeah. the
1: younger event. Okay. Today is the younger. So the party at the palace the is really.
2: I mean, could they get commitments out of that?
1: Yeah, uh, actually, uh, in this morning's woke, I put in a prediction that Oklahoma is going to get the the second quarterback they've clearly been chasing in this 2024 class and the Brendan Zerbrug kid from, uh, Alliance, Ohio, um, a, uh, you know, a quarterback that God, and in woke, it really broke it down. I, I was kind of going over it because I kept trying to find a way and George, you know, you'll, and Eddie, I mean, all of you guys you will relate to this. Sometimes when you're trying to make it fit in the way we need to write these stories, it's really tough to make repetitive statements, like make it clear what you're saying and not have it sound like just a rote thing. And I was like, all right, let me put it in like a bullet point type of thing. So this kid, he gets a Syracuse offer on June 7th. It's, it's he gets an a Northwestern active summer. Offer. Yes. On June 14th, as he's leaving to go to his Syracuse official visit where he is planning to commit, he gets his Northwestern offer. Like I, I got the impression he was like on his way to the airport because the Northwestern quarterback, Decommitted and it opened up their spot, so they go after him. Well, he goes to Syracuse, he commits while he's there. Then he comes back, and Northwestern eventually just kind of wears him down. He goes and takes a trip. He commits there on June 26th. So this has all happened in like less than three weeks. Two weeks later, Northwestern fires Pat Fitzgerald. And then about a week after that, Oklahoma offers him on June 18th. So it's just been a nuts summer for this kid. Um, and just kind of every time he thought he had landed somewhere safe, something else happened. So, um, I, I really though, I think this is clearly something that Jeff Levy wanted to get done. I mean, they, they pursued Samaj Jones. Uh, there is, you know, another quarterback that may be on campus this weekend, Trevor Jones, kid from Florida. Um, or is it Jackson? I might, I, I might have just messed up his name because of the Samaj thing. So, um, but there is, uh, there's no question this is someone that trevor jackson i apologize um he's to add insult he's from jones high school i was like where am i getting jones from that's what it is but um anyway there is there's a possibility he'll be on campus i just think it feels like to me Zerbrug is the guy they've kind of zeroed in on it's a guy that would be a good um you know third scholarship quarterback again if we all assume dylan gabriel is going into his last year uh so, you know, I, I think that's something they've seen as a need. I think they don't want to go to the portal and take a uh, another guy like a Davis Bevel that they know they don't want to have to put on the field. So this is a guy that, uh, again, had offers from Dino Babers at Syracuse. Northwestern was pursuing him. I mean, he has some pedigree. And you watch him on tape, I, there's some stuff to like there. So, again... I think he is a um, he's an interesting one that will be there. Devon Mitchell, getting him on campus for the first time since his commitment. Uh, of the uncommitted guys, Josh Iasosa, the recent offensive line offer from Edmund Santa Fe, he'll be there. I mentioned Danny Okoye earlier. Michael Patterson-McDonald is expected to be there. Um, but I know people are going to focus on, well, why isn't David Stone there? Why isn't Williams-Wanary there? There's there's reasons for all. I mean, David Stone's gone back to Florida for IMG. Their camp has started um, so he's going through all of that stuff. Are we, are, we currently,
2: are we currently going through a David Stone meltdown on OU Twitter right now?
1: Yeah, that's happening because <laughs> David Stone has said he is going to visit Alabama, and everybody is losing their damn mind. Um, I see a guy going after you on Twitter
2: right now. Uh, oh, is I mean is Dustin that, J. Hopson? Oh, he's a, he's, that, a, he's
1: he's a, mentally
0: ill. He's a he's mentally ill. <laughs> I was just going to say. he's I've a I've stopped troll.
1: responding to him. He. He went after me over Joseph Jonah jean I basically showed him the receipts. He then deleted everything he'd said to me and acted like it didn't happen. Came back like a week later, went after me about something else, and I kind of called him out on what he'd done and how he'd been wrong before. He proceeds to block me, tell everybody that I'm picking on him. That is like, the way, dude, that is the perfect,
2: I, I mean, that's the way of a troll. He yeah. attacks you, you, you clap back, and then they claim that they're the victim.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it was, and I, you know, like today he went after me and I was like, man, I hope you're doing okay. Like, I'm, I'm legitimately worried about that guy's mental health. I'm like, I don't, we're not doing this again. Um, I, I will say for everybody that's freaking out and having, like, I've said it for a long time. When David Stone signs somewhere else, I'll believe he's not going to Oklahoma. That, that's how – it's very rare I'm this adamant about something. I just – I don't see it. I'm I, I don't see it.
2: David Stone spends a lot of his time looking at on-three evaluations, knowing that he needs mm. to get his followers up to such and such level. I was just about to say, mm-hmm. he
3: seems like a kid that just likes to be recruited. Yep. He likes
0: the process. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. I,
3: it,
2: and you know what? I hope he gets 100,000 Instagram followers out of this and just, then he can make more money when he gets to college.
0: You're lying to yourself. And I, I, I get it from a fan base perspective that you're lying to yourself if you weren't one of the top players in the country and you didn't want to go take a visit to Alabama to see what Nick Saban has to offer you. You know, like I think everybody would want to be a part of but, that process. But recruiting
2: isn't reasonable. I'm trying to see how many followers Mr. Stone has developed recently.
0: It's it's not concerning yet. I, I think it's probably it's the best way 18. to 18. say One it. Are, is, is there any concern about Williams N- uh, Nweri not coming in this weekend?
2: do we lose Josh?
1: Josh? No, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was reading something. I fell down a rabbit hole. No, we're uh, all
2: we're all going through <laughs> uh, yeah. attention deficit disorder right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so from everything I've been able to gather, and I, this news broke about an hour ago, that Williamson Airy was not going to make his expected trip to Norman. And he, for those that don't know, obviously the party at the palace would be the more geared toward him. It's it's more about the seniors and those kind of things. My understanding is that he was supposed to come in with Kamori Moore and Isaiah Mozee, uh, the Lee Summit North guys, uh, You know Isaiah being the son of Lee Summit North's head coach, Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Jamar. And what it sounds like has happened is that he was told he would not be able to go by his parents. Now, from what I've gathered, that has nothing to do with Oklahoma. That has nothing to do with his recruitment. It sounds like, maybe did did something that his parents weren't pleased with and he got grounded that's kind of the vibe he I'm got grounded up. that's kind I of didn't
0: what know I'm that, that up. was I didn't know that was still a thing we've all been there um, yeah, in this now, day and
2: age like should your parents be able to take over like your Twitter account and say david has, or uh Williams has been <laughs> grounded
0: I'm surprised that we haven't gotten to that point yet
1: um it seems sound really fair i I, I get. I 100% understand that people are going to have, like, the bullshit meter goes off. Like, I get it. Like, that's that's fine. I'm not telling you this. This is a family thing. Like, I can't know for sure that's that's what's happened here. Um, I know that's the belief. I guess would be the way to say that. So, um, I think the 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 tell will be if he goes to Oregon. If he goes to Oregon. Uh, okay, maybe it's not what what it was presented as. Um, but if he, you know, if he doesn't go to Oregon either, you know, we know that trip was supposed to be on, you know that that trip was on the record. like the, there were one hundred percent quotes, you know, attributed to his coach. He'll be at Oregon this coming weekend. If he doesn't make that trip either, okay, then clearly something happened to change the plan. Um, so we'll see. but I mean, Have I heard anything that changes where I know I I would almost say the opposite? Like I feel like Oklahoma's picked up a little momentum here over the last week, maybe five days, something like that. So it's and it's it's so hard with him because nothing's concrete. Like you don't hear anything. There's some guys I'm like, I hear enough to feel good about what I'm saying with Williams. Uh, if it's Georgia, OU, or Missouri, I'm not going to be shocked. I think it's Oklahoma. I think that's what he wants to do. But I'm not 100% by any stretch of the imagination. So You know what I think I,
2: we it, need right now? We need someone with perfect vision to see into the future. <laughs> I think that person is Eddie Radosovich. Uh Tell us about uh, your perfect vision and whether or not it allows you to see if a kid's going to commit to Oklahoma.
0: or not. Well, I, not yet. I think i got to go back in for a recorrect if uh, – procedure for that to happen but i was able to see through the uh, the the s storm that was oh my god the rainstorms that hit us in memphis and jonesboro on the way back from nashville and it was because of enjoy vision which is the best laser vision center in oklahoma city not even close the combination of mind-blowing technology experienced eyeball surgeons and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me what they're doing carrie is for the unofficial 40 listener they're giving $400 off of LASIK. You can go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N-J-O-Y, withme.com. Use promo code U40. It's for the Unofficial 40 listener. $400 off LASIK. You'll be able to see probably better than anybody that sits around you at the ballgame. And then that's when you get the opportunity to bitch and complain about how Jeff Levy's calling the game. Because you can see better than he can <laughs> from upstairs. And maybe Jeff Levy needs it. Just go to enjoyvisionwithme.com.
2: Jeff just hit us up. We'll... Uh... We'll get you taken care of. Um, I'll
0: personally do it.
2: Okay, <laughs> they, so le- s-
0: they let me go in and do surgeries every other Friday. <laughs> and what I, what they don't know is is I've been taking Valiums from the uh, the stockpile. You were giving them a get.
2: placebo, yet you were taking the real Valium.
0: And I that that's how doctors are supposed to do it. That's how my friend uh, Tommy Tuesday does it at, at the hospital that he works at.
2: Uh, I'm sorry, Josh. I cut you off, and I know everybody's going to be like, "Damn it, Carrie will let Josh talk recruiting because of the ads." <laughs> uh,
1: no, no. It, it, like I said, it, it's with Williams. I still feel good about where every, where everything is. Like it, it's it's kind of one of those things where everybody's hearing slightly different stuff. Like if you talk to Missouri sources, or you talk to Georgia sources, or Oregon, or whoever. But the constant is Oklahoma. Like, that's the one – really, the only point was like a week ago, you started hearing Georgia sources saying they thought it was Georgia and Missouri, but that's the only point in time when I've heard it's not Oklahoma and X. So Missouri thinks it's Oklahoma. Georgia thinks it's Georgia and Oklahoma with kind of Missouri in there as well. Oregon just doesn't really think they have a chance, so I think they're kind of – I think – People are like, well, Oregon thinks it's this. I think Oregon's just reading what everybody else is doing because they know they're kind of on the outside looking in. When I talk to Oklahoma sources, it's not as definitive by any stretch of the imagination, but it almost feels like we don't want to jinx it. We don't want to jinx it. Because I we talked about this a couple pods ago. After last year, I think there is a real gun shyness to like we're not we're not gonna get too cocky here. Like cause they they knew they had David Hicks. They knew, I mean, they had Colton Vossick. like they've been burned. And so they're just like, let's just see how this goes. But again, I I think they know they have the best relationship. They have a connection to every level. I mean, like they're, his family's very comfortable with Oklahoma. Obviously Jamar Mosey has a really good relationship with Oklahoma and Brent Venables. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, his friendship with Caden Green, his relationship with Isaiah Mosey and Kamari Moore. I mean, there, there's a very real world where his sophomore year at Oklahoma, he's playing with four of his high school teammates like that's not that's not something that you can overlook. And I think it's meaningful. And on top of everything else, I don't think anybody's matching what Missouri's doing in NIL because I keep hearing that bag is large, but I don't think Oklahoma's that far off the pace um i I,
2: can screw it up drink what's considered can screw it up yeah um i
1: just i you know with all that's going on there um you know talking to some kids around missouri that are you know fellow big-time recruits there's this feeling of like we like missouri but we don't know if that staff's gonna be there right and so I, i think that is something that's weighing on him a little bit too like i said i I just find the fewest holes in Oklahoma's pitch. And, you know, again, Georgia... Let me ask you this, Josh. You mentioned Oregon a lot here, and they're in
2: limbo with their conference. Like, is this the first time that you think you're kind of hearing that SEC juice play a factor for Oklahoma with national recruits? I mean, I know Tatum announced that the SEC was a big part of... Jaden Jackson a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but with the big dogs that they're fighting Georgia tooth and nail in Alabama and Alabama and all these other schools, like Oklahoma can really I mean they can they can put their chest out a little
1: bit right now in regards to that. They can. And then you throw in also that these guys get to come in and be the ones that you know, you guys get to write the story of OU and the SEC. Like you're you're gonna be on the very first SEC Oklahoma team. It's not Oh, you're another. I mean, and no offense to Georgia, I I, I would completely understand if Williams and Erie chose Georgia. Like, I get it. But at Georgia, you're just the next in line of you know top ten defensive line picks. Like, I get it. That's cool, man. The that that makes sense. But, but you're, gonna, Oklahoma, be a, you're get gonna be you're gonna be the guy that changed the story.
2: You're gonna get to be a part of a season where the fans are mm-hmm. there when Tennessee comes into Norman. You're, you're gonna be yeah. there when. OU goes to LSU and Death Valley for the first time. You're going to be there when all of these things happen. What's the other big game? Alabama. Alabama. You're going to be there at home are they against good? Alabama. Like, and not to mention, you know, South Carolina. And, and, I mean, it's it's going to be a legendary season for the players on that team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't – almost regardless of what happens next year, it's going to be a season that OU fans are going to talk about forever. Like, I mean, just – I and I think that's true of this year, too. Like last year in the SEC or in the Big 12, you go through all that. Like, I mean, so – but, I mean, I know we're focused on the recruiting side, but these next two years are going to be pivotal in Oklahoma football one way or another. Sure. So I, I think it's um, – and I think that's that's interesting to these guys. They get to be part of something unique. And, again, when I talk to people, I, I just get the impression of there is a – with Williams and Airy, it's just let's not – we're not going to say anything brash, but we feel pretty good. Like that—that's that, kind of the way I would say it. And again, it could be any of those three. I would not be shocked, but it does help Oklahoma that they don't—they don't have to fight the SEC front anymore. Like you guys aren't going to be Big Twelve players. You will be SEC players for your entire career. Um, Are you getting the feeling?
2: And, and I know, you know we had some talks this morning uh, here in the office, but. It's it's almost like they the the coaching staff is almost like grouping this as the four, like th- the, if they could land these four guys that everybody wants, like that would be the ultimate kind of cherry on top to this class.
1: Like, oh, I do thinking I don't think that
2: there's... it's a real possibility, maybe for the first time.
1: Well, now I, I guess my question would be: the, now obviously we're talking about or, Williams and Airy. we're talking about David Adam, Stone, Adam, who are Adam the other Tatum, two? Adam like, Tatum and Nigel Smith. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- those four are massive. I mean, and I, again, I don't think enough can be said for what Taylor Tatum means because Oklahoma goes, and these kids see it. They see it all over Twitter. Oklahoma lands the number one running back in the country, number one running back in the country. Like, it just gets beat into their head because they're on Twitter, and I, I, there's, there's no way that doesn't resonate. And when Oklahoma starts to get – a couple of these other guys, if they can get Williams and area in the boat, I, I for all the longest time I thought David Stone would help push Williams and over the finish line. If Oklahoma gets Williams first, the reverse is also true. Like I mean, it, that's just one of those things. And Nigel's obviously he's like a little over a month out from his decision, and you just keep seeing more and more coming in for Oklahoma now. I don't think you can go to sleep on A&M. He's going to be there this weekend. They're going to get the last kind of shot at him. But uh, he's been to Oklahoma 10 times in like the last 15, 16 months. Like there's now nah, maybe 18 months. But, I mean, he's been there a lot. And I, I think has a great relationship with Miguel Chavis, really likes the whole staff. So if you can just get a few of those dominoes to fall – and maybe Taylor Tatum is the first one. Maybe that's the way that works. But I just – and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I like the way the momentum is working. And I know everybody's going to see the David Stone stuff and the williams Winery stuff and read into it all these other things. Sometimes stuff just happens. Like you have to be able to adapt and, and deal with it. I don't think this trip this weekend was going to be the deciding factor for williams Winery. Like I – to me, the fact that he was going to make that trip was a much bigger indicator of what he was thinking than anything else. Because um, w- what's he got to come to Oklahoma for? What 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 does he need to see right before he makes his decision? Like I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see that as a huge thing. But if I think if it was a huge thing, then he'll get back down. Like he may come down in early September and then push his decision off because there's that's been rumored too. Is even maybe this August first, August eighth thing won't happen and he'll push it off into the season a little bit and who knows maybe he and nigel smith go right around each other in early september so uh, again i still think it's oklahoma but we're just he he. we talk all the time about how kind of stale recruiting can be because guys like me generally know what these guys are going to do at the time of a decision he's genuinely fun like i i, I am not certain of what williams and area is going to do and that's kind of exciting like we all get to just follow this and see what happens, and, of course, we'll, we'll keep tracking it, and maybe I'll be more confident closer to the finish line. But um, but right now, I, th- I think it's OU, but there are other options that are completely possible. We
2: mentioned the uh, trip to uh, Baton Rouge. Um, we don't want you to wait till 2024 to get that uh, New Orleans uh, flair because we want you to go to primeshrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E, shrimp.com, uh, and get that New Orleans, Louisiana feel. Uh, get your signature season. Uh, get the New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp. Get the uh, uh, the signature Cajun season. The, uh, also, the Louisiana uh, boil Cajun shrimp. Uh, get it all. I mean, here's the thing. Use this promo code, uh, U40, and you will get 25% off your entire order of $50 and more. Uh, if you want to go more classic, the lemon and cracked pepper shrimp is there for the taking. Also, French Quarter Alfredo. It's a Alfredo with a little zing to it. Uh, garlic herb butter shrimp. I mean, just go to the website, primeshrimp.com. Pick what you like. New uh, single-serving, restaurant-quality meals in under 10 minutes. Just put those things in boiling water straight from the freezer. Uh, and, I mean, George, would be, it would be the night of his life. Uh, he likes shrimp so much. So uh, go primeshrimp.com. Use that promo code U40. off your entire order of $50 or more. Just go. Go do it. All right. um, George got very excited during that live read. I love shrimp.
0: Big shrimp
3: You hear
2: that prime shrimp?
0: The last time that George told me this was going to be the night of his life, I was trying to (laughs) get him on Broadway at some point. Hey, we had a good time on Broadway. It was a good time. It was a great time. And
2: nothing happened that was negative at all. No, I don't think anything did. Am I missing? Something? I thought we weren't allowed
0: to talk about this on the pod. Oh no, we just had a fun time. It's all good. All part of the night.
2: Yeah,
3: I mean, I we've had we were out till we had some great quesadillas you parents, with Eric ba- with Eric Bailey. You said
2: your parents would get mad about the hooker stuff. <laughs> She's dead. Who cares? <laughs> uh, no, um, Mr. and Mrs. Stoya, there was no hookers. We're just trying to get him in trouble. We're gonna do that every pod from now on. I mean, there was one,
0: and she was a lovely lady, but she just stopped breathing during the middle of the night. I think it was fentanyl. <laughs> Nothing that we did. Next uh, topic.
2: Okay. Um, well, I mean, where do we need to go? I mean, you Nate know. had
0: those strips; you should have used them. I don't know. the
2: The media day will be August first. Uh, the first practice will be August third. Uh, no idea if we'll be able to go out and watch at this point in time.
0: This time next week, man.
2: Yeah, we're it's a crazy wave of our lives completely ending. Um, we're going to get – anyway, maybe by then George will be able to play some Galaga and, and actually get to the first challenge stage.
3: I was going to put in some reps today uh, after the pod. We had
2: a visitor last night, a huge fan of the pod. Uh, he came all the way from Josh's neck of the woods, and so I let him in. Uh, I would have let him in if he came from Edmond. But uh, he brought his daughter in here, and they were just visiting campus. And uh, he wanted to know how bad of a Galaga player you really were. Well, what'd you tell him? I told him that you were not nearly as good as you claimed to be. I still think I'm in
3: the top like 10 percent of 27
0: year olds, but
2: <laughs> we're putting we're putting <laughs> together the
0: uh, true. We're putting together the list, and we're gonna have a uh, maybe an off week tournament. Tournament,
2: yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Show us your driver's license. First, if you're 27. second week
0: of October, I guess, October
3: 14th. Yeah, put it during the bye week because I, I do think that uh, starting next Tuesday. We're going to be pretty pretty slammed till the season's yeah. over. It's going to be fun. I yeah. mean, no, look,
2: it, we are getting very close to having this thing back together, uh, and I know we started doing some YouTube stuff, but we had to have new carpets put in. We had to have new uh, network runs put in, so all that's getting stripped up. We're going to be ready to go by the time practices start. So we're going to be throwing out a lot more content on uh, YouTube. And, and George and you and Eddie did a great job in, at the SEC Media Days. Uh, and it'll be just more of that all the time. And yeah. Josh and I will be doing some live streams. We're excited about that. Uh, so look, we're we're ready. We've been people say we're well past ready, um, but I I get it. But it's going to be set up to a way where we just do it all the time. Um, this thing is built right, not built fast, but built the right way.
0: It's going to be fun. I I kind of look forward to next week. Obviously, we just talked to a bunch of those guys. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, Danny and Dylan Gabriel and Jonah Laulu and uh, who's the, oh, and Drake down in Dallas. But, you know, I think to talk to more of these guys, there definitely is a sense of, I don't know if urgency is the right thing to say, but there is definitely a sense of, I I feel like everybody feels they're in a better spot than they were a year ago. Obviously for those, you know, all the reasons that have been laid out there uh, just with nothing being new, I guess, as far as a first year goes. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of jump these guys make. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't know how much you're going to be able to tell in those first couple weeks of the season, obviously, with the, uh, the Don Con schedule kind of being what it is. But at the same time, I do think that there is a sense of excitement around the program right now that I can't remember in A long time just because of the SEC move coming up in a year and then obviously everything that goes into this year I you know you wrote a great article this morning George about Dylan Gabriel and what they need to do better on third and fourth down some of those numbers were just it was it was kind of mind-blowing that they were so bad but yet at the same time offensively if you look at the hole they were they did have a lot of really good moments this year
3: yeah uh Dylan Gabriel ranked last in the big 12 in fourth down conversions when throwing the ball um, which, I mean, you guys saw that firsthand. I know, Eddie, you, you talked about remembering some of the plays. I think it was what he was one for seven on, on those fourth down plays. Um, you know, he was also below average on third down conversions, uh, third down completion percentage. Uh, he was towards the bottom of the league. So, yeah, and, and Dylan talked about that at Big 12 Media Days, and that's what's always interesting. Like, Big 12 Media Days... You can ask specific questions, but it's generally a, a big picture type type of deal talking about the season ahead. Whereas next week, getting to know some of the other guys, like I'm sure we'll get to hear from maybe a Connor near and some of the other guys that have transferred in McCulloch. And, you know, I got hammered on the board uh, this week for putting out my projected starters. And so some of those storylines of guys. It wasn't competing. boring, at least. No, no. It, 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 a lot of people read it, but a lot of people... Uh, disagreed with some of the. No, I'm just
2: saying it wasn't like you didn't go chalk the entire way. You no, kind of yeah, put in some no. Some stuff that made people say, "Why would you say that?"
3: Right? Yeah. Um. You know, I I project Connor Neer as a starter, and I'm kind of working on a story about him. It sounds like they really like him. Um. You know, coming in from Ferris State, I, I think that he could compete for a starting job. Uh. The offensive line's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think you could make an argument for f- like four different guys at the guard spots. Um. So that's going to be fun to watch, and then obviously wide receiver, who knows, um, other than Farouk and Stoops, who's going who's gonna to compete there. So, you know, finding some of those things out next week and then, you know, always hearing the rumblings during fall camp, who's standing out, those t- kind of guys. And, you know, I tried to put the, point this out is, like you said, Eddie, I think the first few weeks, there'll be some guys that stand out and I'm sure step up, but uh, it's really not till, you know, that Iowa State game or
0: even the Texas game that we're going to really know kind of what this thing, I think, looks like. And it's most interesting, too, because you look at what they have going into this year, and it's just hard for me to think that they're going to be able to make the jump that everybody hopes that they'd make if you're not getting contributions from almost damn near every one of these transfer portal guys. I mean, they – and that's something that, you know, I think Brenda's talked about quite a bit and the uh, kind of the ideology and how they recruited some of these guys to get them to campus – uh it's basically a pitch that not only can you come in and help but you're going to come in and help immediately and they need these guys especially on the defensive side of the ball in my mind on the defensive line uh whether it be a rondell bothroyd or a trace ford uh jacob lacy day terry Jay, yeah dj terry seems yeah. like he was uh, one of those guys that was talked about quite a bit at big 12 media day from jonah laulu as well as danny stutzman they need these guys to really come in and uh, be difference makers
3: yeah, I mean I that's that's where that's the side of the ball that I think some of us are most interested in seeing just to see if they can make, you know, a bigger jump there and, and uh you know, you saw it at, at Clemson when when Brent first went there. They weren't great his first year there and then they made a huge jump his second year and an even bigger jump his third year. So what does that look like? And and again Brent talked a lot about that at Big Twelve Media Days. So Hearing from him again next week uh, is going to be interesting. Like, I, 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 there's a lot of position battles. I mean, you could even say safety. You know, can Peyton Bowen be a guy that competes for a certain spot? Sure. What does Reggie Pearson look like? They have a lot of depth there. Uh, you know, linebacker. I, I really think that you know, Kobe McKinsey, Jaron Kanick are, are super talented. But can Connor Neer, a guy that has played a lot of college football, uh, maybe not at the Division One level, but at a high level on, on D2, win two national championships at that level? Can he compete? Uh, and then you've got the defensive line. I mean, they it feels like they have so much more depth there. Can those guys actually be contributors and who are going to be those guys that step up as leaders?
2: It's also going to be interesting, I think, just seeing Dylan Gabriel, not just the things that you just talked about, but how does he handle that when everybody is kind of rooting to see Jackson Arnold? Like, knowing... He's, he's got to look over his shoulder a little bit for the first time in a while.
0: Look year. over the chip that's going to be on his shoulder, too, I'm sure. I mean, I, yeah. I think anybody that has heard the noise about Jackson Arnold, and he's said all the right things even during the spring, uh, it's, it's going to be super interesting. And, you know, you obviously don't want to come out and have any bad starts at the beginning of the year, but he's going to be somebody that has somebody waiting in the wings behind him that I think the entire fan base, a lot like the Caleb Williams situation, and then hope to God it doesn't turn out as ugly as that was. Uh, that are going to be cheering for the backup. Yeah, well, I had people. I had people in my mentions today about that story, saying if he, if he's as
3: bad as he was last year, we'll be booing, uh, like they did. And you know, I have Rauer. no doubt I'm that I'm those like, people will be.
0: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I,
2: but that was the student section, wasn't it? Mostly sure. the West yeah, Virginia Yeah, yeah. Game? it was. It
0: was. And I, you know, I, I don't think and that, that was more about. Yeah, you know, some things
2: that happened on campus right. and Right. Dylan doesn't
0: have things. the, uh, you know, the bad blood. I think no. between him and the the students I think like everybody maybe likes that Spencer yeah. did, but you know, at the same time, I do think that there is a lot of pressure being put on him and it's going to be kind of interesting too, just because of the wide receiver position and the, you know, I, I, I think the, the way of looking at it is, is who's going to be those guys that step up. They're not going to have a whole lot of time. It's going to have to come out of the gate rather quickly for them to get off on the right foot going into uh, you know, obviously conference play. Well, and everybody obviously wants to, to, you know, pin the blame on
3: on Dylan. But, you know, some of the play calling too on on some of that stuff, I'm sure Jeff Lebby deserves, you know, a handful of the blame as well. I mean, the other stat I threw out there in that article, did you know they ranked 108th in fourth down conversion percentage last year? They ranked 14th in 2021 in that. And then 65th in red zone last year. They were first in red zone in 2021. So the whole offense just wasn't great last year. You look at their offensive stats in the fourth quarter, they awful. were awful. They were really, really bad they were in awful. the fourth quarter. And and you know some of that's on Dylan missing throws and sure. you know certain things like that. Maybe right. the offensive line you know wasn't running the ball. Maybe they got worn down because they were running so many plays. I don't know what it is, but those efficiency things also fall on the play caller. And so it's going to be interesting to hear from Jeff Levy, see what he has to say. I, I mean, I remember talking to him back in the spring, and he talked a lot about
0: situational football. Sure. And that's what they focused on in the spring. Well, they, I mean, there's no doubt that that was one of the that was like the number one talking point at Big yeah. Media Day was what they do in the fourth quarter in finishing football games. And you look at, you know, particularly the West Virginia game, the Texas Tech game, even the Bedlam game when things became tight at the end, uh, that they were still able to win, they were not able to stay on the field offensively, and they were on the field too long defensively, which is, you know, obviously a recipe for disaster.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you think back, I mean, I mentioned the one of seven. If I, if I went back and looked, I think I can remember a couple of those fourth downs against, Maybe Texas Tech or West Virginia, if they just convert you know one or two more of those on those seven throws, um do they win those games? And that's what it comes down to and it it's you know I, I don't know what you do in the off season to correct those things. I guess it's just watching film and um you know practicing those type of plays. but uh, it's gonna be interesting again to hear from Levy next week on on kind of how they're they're going about that and
0: and what that looks like in practice. Josh, what are your kind of your biggest question marks going into the season? Obviously, uh, you know, we've kind of not to make this a doom pot by any means, but it is <laughs> interesting going into, you know, next week and the start of practice uh, where this thing is at. it feels like it's moving in the right direction. But, I, you know, I, I think we caught ourselves in the same position a year ago where you thought everything was going to be alleviated.
1: And, guys, isn't that almost the thing? Like, every time you kind of let yourself believe, like, okay, this could be better. They're they're going to figure this out. This will be better because of X, or this will be better because of Y. You're like, well, what about last year? Sure. Like it's just like this little thing in the back of your brain you can't ever get out. Well, and you, you, and, fall, you
0: fall back on the idea, too, of, like, the cover three guys that I was listening to uh, on the way down here today. They're doing Big 12 projections and the over-unders for teams, and – Everybody looks at the o u and the the six and seven record a year ago, and just like there's no way they can be that bad, right? like there's truly no way, and then when you look at the games, it really is like four or five handful of plays that were the factors in a lot of those games that they lost
1: yeah, and you know something and I, I listen in that same pot I, I like cover three, I know a lot of OU fans get mad at those guys, but um one of the things that I thought was interesting that they were talking about, just looking at that looking at the roster, there's a lot of guys that we, because we're around it every day, and you know, I covered these guys in recruiting, and you guys are sitting there going to practices. like you have a better feel for it than they do nationally. But at the same time, when you look at this roster, who are those guys that you're like, absolutely that guy makes plays? that 90% of college football can't make how many of those guys do you have on its roster I don't know like Tyler Guyton okay I can get there um Dasan McCullough maybe like I I just I think there's a lot of really good players but the guys that are going to push OU to that next level I don't know like I don't know if I'm ready to buy that now again they don't have to go there this year you go nine and three against this schedule I'll say it again and again anything less than nine and three is a massive disappointment yeah like I I'll, I'll say that and I'll own it to the end of the year like I that's fine I mean unless Dylan Gabriel Jackson Arnold and half the starters get hurt Oklahoma should beat at least nine teams on this schedule it just should and if they didn't go six and seven last year we'd be talking about this as a playoff team sure because of how this and it's not that i think they're that talented the schedule is so good and so favorable they need to go in there and handle business and they don't you know they don't have to face kansas state they don't have to mess with texas tech all these schools that have given them trouble they just get to go past and i i don't know i i think on both sides of the ball i worry about playmaking just overall big plays making life easy for yourself i don't know how many of those guys I'm ready to believe are ready to be those kind of difference makers.
3: And Josh, I think that's the scary thing because it's it's like you want to believe in some of these guys and maybe maybe a Petaway becomes a superstar. Who knows, right? Like Maybe he becomes that guy we're talking about or Andrell Anthony, but they just have so many guys it feels like on both sides of the ball that you're like I think he's going to be a really good player, but we haven't seen it either in an OU uniform or just on a consistent basis. I mean, Billy Bowman, right? You would, we all think that he can be a a great football player, but can he stay on the field? Can he, can he stay healthy? Can he be a consistent player? Danny Stutzman, right? I think he could be a great playmaker, but can he do it on a consistent down to down play to play
0: basis? That's the thing that you want to see from a lot of these guys is consistency. And that's where you get into the growth and being in the second year and you go, okay, well maybe the first year there was a lot to learn. There was a lot of uh, stuff, not even on the field that they had to get used to, Uh, You know, whether it be getting in the film room, learning the defense, knowing where they need to be. Uh, And, you know, I I think that that's where you like fall back on this idea, too, that even when I was doing uh, like media row radio hits in uh, Nashville with the SEC guys, it's like, you know, what do you expect from Oklahoma this year? And it's like, well, I mean, Vegas has the over under right now at nine and a half. And it would be supremely disappointing if they didn't get to nine, if they didn't get to 10. And. I think there was a little bit of shock when you look at the record, and they're you know coming off of a six and seven season. When you just look at box scores, or you look at the way you don't know how they lost those games last year. Uh, that you know, I I think for a lot of people, they look at the TCU game that they got their ass whooped, and then they look at the Texas game where they didn't even score, and it was uncompetitive for three and a half quarters. So it is scary in a way, but I do think that like at the end of the day, when you get done with that conversation, uh, you know, I think everybody out there goes, yeah, but. Brent's track record and his resume would tell you that he's too good of a football coach not to have these guys, uh, you know, playing at least a little bit better football. And I think that, you know, whatever that's shocking to me, if it's not, I mean, if it's not like even what was the Brent's wording at spring game, it was, uh, we're going to be a different planet defensively. And, you know, I I think that it's, it's interesting too, Josh, that, you know, they, they threw out, I I can't remember if it was Danny Cannell or whoever it was on the cover three thing, talking about, I don't know if Brent's been cocky this summer, but he has been boisterous as far confident. as, or in confident as far as like where he thinks this thing is at. I, I I definitely think that the way that in you know I I don't know if we would even want to open the door to this conversation, but like the quote unquote shots at Dion and the swing he took at Mario Cristobal in Miami. I don't know if you say that if you don't think that this thing is truly going to be in a better spot than they were 365 days ago.
1: Well, Eddie, on that note, I will say I heard from someone um, that there was some that there's been some chatter from uh, from some of the strength staff that this was an extremely good summer. So we'll see. We know every summer is the best summer. Um, But just talking to a few people, it sounded maybe a little more legitimate than some of the stuff I've heard in the past. I don't know. Yeah. But it sounds like they're pretty happy with the work they got in i think a lot of the young guys um again PJ guys Adebore definitely
0: I, had a good summer i mean just look at the pictures that they have put out here over the yeah. last week and a half
1: did you see the Savion bird picture uh, yeah, yeah. I, i'm crap.
0: No, no longer worried That's about his vulnerable. weight <laughs> no longer i wish that
3: picture would have come I, out before i put out my projected starters because that was no everyone's number one complaint i didn't have him starting and it was just because i was like Look, he's not—you know—he didn't put on the weight that he needed to, and then that picture came out. I was like, "Oh, he's, complete, he
0: looks good." Complete fan take as far as like the incoming uh, quote that I will give, but it is like good news too when you see how much he's been hanging out with Tyler Guyton, somebody oh, yeah. that's kind of known the ropes, going to be looked at as a leader as the on the offensive line. I don't know—I don't know if that means that he's necessarily going to be the starting guard either, but at the same time, I do think that that goes for something to know that you know they're hanging out, they're spending a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, obviously, we'll see how that offensive line works itself out here over the next couple weeks.
2: Um, I got to tell you guys, I uh, I learned something uh, during this fantastic save. You didn't lose me. I was there the whole time. Uh, and by the way, yeah, Tyler Guyton, if you're buddying up with him, I love that dude, man. He's just such a good guy. Um, when we're out at practice, he, he gives you some back and forth. Who, who was it he was uh, building up last time we were out there? Tyler Guyton? Yeah, he was like. Look out for this guy; he's the next big thing.
3: I think it was Bird.
2: No, it wasn't Savion. It was. Uh, I thought it
0: was Bird. I don't remember.
1: I don't know it if was I a was white over guy. there. Was it, it Bates? Might have been. I remember that whole story. Um, anyway, I, I do know a way that Dylan
2: Gabriel can take care of his offensive line this year.
0: That's house, what. dead socksy.
2: Oh, get him some socks. Get him some socks. You know, I, I did not know this. And I feel ashamed for uh, as much as we talk about Dead Soxy, you can get the no shows in men's or women's. Did not know that. But you need them right now because it's 100 degrees like every day here until the end of it. Did you see that it's 101 degrees in the Florida Ocean somewhere? Like the highest. Good. Highest uh, temperature ever recorded in an ocean.
0: It's miserable outside.
2: I think this is that weather where even if you have a swimming pool, it's not helping you, there's no relief. it's too hot. It's too
0: hot to swim. I know that.
2: Uh, anyway, go to deadsoxy.com. They will. I did wear those all week last week in Nashville. They did provide some relief. They're like, I mean, little little cushions, pillowy cushions that go on your feet. The the fabric is so fine, like you think that they're gonna fall apart after you wash them. Wash them a few times, they never do. But you need more. You need more. Uh, go get the six pack. Uh, they've got those going. That's what. That's my recommendation right now. Go get the multi packs. Although they have some really cool stuff uh just go down like the Willy No Show is a really cool sock uh even they have them both in men's and women's uh the Klein No Show love that sock uh and I've got pretty much all of them but there's some that I don't have uh and I want to get them so go to Dead Socksy use a promo code scoop you'll get 25% off your entire order even sale items so like you get one of the bundles like I'm looking right now uh get the uh the full SS22 No Show sock 5 pack it's on sale for 75 bucks, but you'll get 25% off of that, too. So go check it out, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Enter that pro, promo code SCOOP. You'll get 25% off your entire order. We could not endorse them more at Sooner Scoop.
0: Buy or sell?
3: Well, let's go through a couple players. I actually have a position I was going to bring up, but, yes, let's
0: do this. Okay, and then we'll go to the position group. Oh, it'll probably come we'll up MF as you, them as you too. bring them up. Gentry Williams.
3: Bye. I think I my hot take, I think he's going to be all Big Twelve by the end of the year. Mm. I think he's going to be one of the I think he's going to be one of the better corners in the league. Not first team All Big Twelve. Sure. I think he'll be maybe second team. At least honorable mention. At least honorable mention. I think he's going to be really good. We'll say you, Josh?
1: Bye. Uh another he's one of the guys that talking to some of the people about summer workouts that He he did everything they hoped he would, not more. It sounded like he had a hell of a summer. I can I can
0: just tell you, just talking to him, at just looking at football camp, like I and I think I told you, Josh, I can't remember OU having a cornerback physically that gifted, and what he's done with his body and adding weight, and just overall looking like a player uh, going into this season. It it seems like he's ready for this uh, next step. Uh,
1: Guys, I mean. And do you think there's anybody that benefited more from like the Josiah Wagner, Macari, Vickers arrival? Like, I don't know if that was a wake up call for Gentry or what it was. Cause I, I certainly don't want to present it as like Gentry wasn't doing what he needed to do, but it definitely feels like once he realized like those guys are real good, they could come take a job if you're not ready to keep it or, you know, to go take it yourself, I guess a better way to say that. It feels like the switch just kind of went on for Gentry since the spring.
0: You buying or selling?
1: I wish we would have
2: seen more in the spring, but, you know, you had the thing. Yeah. Um,
1: But I don't know. You were ambulance chasing?
2: Yes, uh, where I was guilty of being insensitive to players um, (laughs) by doing my job. Um, I, I mean, I'm buying more than I'm selling. I just, you know. I've been burned before by, you know, cornerbacks that had great size and had all the measurables, Yeah, and he hasn't done it yet. So I'm not going to go all Big 12, though, even honorable mention. But I'm not saying it can't happen. I mean, if he's the starter at Oklahoma opposite Woody. Sure, he's going to have an opportunity really to finish good. somewhere. Yeah, to win that job, he's going to be really good.
0: CJ Colton was so good for them at the end of the year last year. I, it, It's kind of crazy, too, like to think that and he it possibly you that- he should have come back i don't know but I it mean, shows Jave you also that job. you don't
2: have to you don't have to be the greek god sure. in, to make Physically. plays at corner i yeah. mean trey norwood was the perfect example too like he's a guy that's just a ball player just makes plays skinnier than you'd want for a, a, a corner or safety uh but colden was that same they more than having a guy that just looks great and had a great summer like they just need somebody that's going to make plays when the ball is in the air yeah and that's been a problem. Yeah, <laughs> over the and, last I mean, I think years. you have that with Peyton Bowen. I think you have that uh, with. Uh, uh, um, why am I getting mixed up with the Bowens and the. Bowman. Bowmen, Yes.
0: Bowman and Bowen. Yeah.
2: Bowen and Bowen. Uh, Both Bow from Bowman. Denton. Yeah, it's very confusing, uh, especially when you spend all your time working on network cable. Um, no, but I mean, they've got those. They need more. I yeah. mean, and, you know, can you, can you get you know, interior guys that can make plays. Can you get, you know, Danny Stutzman, has he become a guy that can drop into coverage and read something and, and, you know, pick off some passes here and there? Like, they just need a few of those guys. And I don't know. That's my biggest thing. Whether or not Gentry Williams is going to be a star or not, from what we've seen, he's been really good. But it's really about the intangibles more than it's about the physical the physical talent. You know, with,
0: everybody, with everything that everybody talks about safety and obviously, I, I've... Does Robert Spears' Jennings get lost in the mix? Is he a guy that— yes. He's not the guy that
2: was hurt in the spring, so, I mean—
0: Yeah, I, I mean, do you think he is, Josh? I, I heard you say yes. I I kind of think that he could be one of those guys that you look up and all of a sudden it's like, why the hell were we not talking about him in August? Because he came in last year as a freshman and I remember and he knocked to,
2: the shit out of somebody in one game. That
0: was like one of the first moments, too, during a, during the game— or during the, the year that it was game, like— maybe? Okay, like this is something to build off of. As bad as this thing is, maybe he's showing flashes.
1: I I have I I thought he he was a kid I liked in high school thinking like this guy is undervalued. He's a better athlete than people realize. Like there's there's a lot to like in Robert Spears Jennings. So I, I and again, you talk about a guy, Eddie, that, you know, we say, oh, we haven't seen many guys like that. OU hadn't had a lot of safeties that looked like him. Like, sure. I mean, big, physical, super, you know, he's a weight room guy. Like, now, I mean, Key Lawrence can distort everything a little bit because Key is just just an ideal athlete. Um, but, uh, again, like, I, I keep looking at that. And, you know, if you talk about OU going into some three safety stuff where, okay, you've got uh, – Billy Bowman's obvious. Like, I, I think – I don't think there's a player – I mean, we could get into that maybe in the country that's more unknown for his level of talent than Billy Bowman like Billy Bowman if you told me at this end of the year that like he's like a third team all-American it wouldn't shock me at all like I think he is that good and could come that far out of nowhere now he's got to stay healthy and there there's a whole bunch of ifs between here and there I get that but like I I think he's special but outside of that I think they've got a safety room that's just like Who's the hot hand? Who's playing the best football right now? Because I could see several of those guys kind of being almost like a running back where it's a little bit interchangeable. Um, now, they won't play it like that. I get it because communication and all the stuff you've got to do. But I, I, I think Robert Spears Jennings is a much better player and prospect than I think most people recognize.
2: You know what I can't stop thinking about with, with Key Lawrence is that time they put him at safety against Tech. Was it uh, Kama that was just killing him? You mean corner? Uh, it put him at corner, yeah, against Tech. Yeah. And he was mm-hmm. just manning people up, and I thought, my God, they found something. And then it just all fell apart. Because yeah. the problem with him at safety is, like, it's a more disciplined position, and he's just not a disciplined player. Mm-hmm. So I'm still yep. not giving up that, on – if it doesn't go well with Gentry Williams, I'm still not giving up on Key. I might just drop a that, message to Brent saying, hey, give Key, a look.
0: Key Lawrence <laughs> is like one of those perfect examples of guys that you go, okay, is this what it is and it's not going to change? Or is this, was last year such a learning difference, such a undertaking of what they were doing in the Riley system to Brent's first year that everything slows down for him this season and he kind of become the player that everybody thought he was coming from Tennessee? I just don't know who he's going to play over. Well, that,
2: and that, that, I guess but, that's a good problem But the thing though. is, though, yeah. the thing with Key Lawrence is it's not a scheme thing with him as much as it is, a, you know, he has that. Like a maturity on-field issue. He plays like branded average, but he doesn't make the tackle. Like, he, he throws himself like a missile at, at, at ball carriers, and then he whiffs. Like, he's not disciplined even in tackling, much less in whatever scheme you're running.
3: That's why I think Reggie Pearson's going to start for him. Yeah, because I think yeah. he he does come up and and makes the tackle. And he was a good player for Tech. He was really good at Wisconsin. Um, had some injury stuff before he went to Tech. So sure. I I'm I'm in on Reggie Pearson. I think I think it's going to be him and Bowman are the two starters, and then I think
0: Spears Jennings is going to be that third safety when they do the three safety look. You know, just writing uh, the uh, the crimson countdown stuff. I feel like I've had a bunch of the safeties or the de- a bunch of the defensive backs, and just being able to sit around and list off a bunch of names is a little bit different than it has been in, yeah. in past years where they do have options back there. And, you know, obviously Brandon Hall's done a really good job of kind of almost as much as, uh, you know, DeMarco has with the running back room of reinventing that room and getting guys in there that can be serviceable and be contributors from day one. Uh, and then, you know, obviously it will be really interesting to see what happens with Peyton Bowen, but... I don't know. It's going to be like, there's so many of these guys that you could just sit here and go through position group to position group and list off. But to be able to sit here with, you know, a confidence and say that, yeah, these guys are going to be the players that everybody thinks. I You, you just can't do that quite yet. I guess that's the scary part of it is, uh, you know, if they don't make the jump that everybody expects, then what do you do? Because then you're, you know, in a whole different world of hell where, you're going into the SEC with all of these unanswered questions, and what would be a year three for Brent. So, I don't know. It'll be what position group did you want to talk about? Uh, tight end.
3: I. Everyone's talking about receiver, and I. I agree that is a big concern because I just don't know who's going to step up there. I. I am uh, very worried about the tight end group just because. I think we forget how good Braden Willis was for them last year at times and, and bailed them out. And and the the play designs that they did for him, he was great in run blocking, and I think Austin Stogner is a nice player, but I just don't know, um you know, what he's going to look like in this offense, and I, I also don't know what Jason Llewellyn looks like or Kanan Helms. There's just a lot of unknown at that position, and I don't think we're talking about it enough
0: for a position group that was so good to Oklahoma here over the last couple of years. You yeah. know obviously with the emergence of Braden Willis last year, it kind of calmed everything because he was so uh, reliable and valuable to that offense. I mean, think about where that thing would have been if him and Eric Gray weren't making plays. It just – it is scary. And, you know, obviously Joe John's been able to go out and get uh, Devon Mitchell, which is, uh, you know, obviously a big deal, and he's coming in the 2024 class. But, you know, I, it does it come down to the Fluey kid from Cameron that has only played football for a year now at Oklahoma? Or I guess technically what? Seven months? Yeah. Like, does it come down to him being a player? Does it come down to a Blake Smith from Texas A&M stepping in and being serviceable for him offensively? What are your guys' thoughts on –
3: because you guys covered their their recruitment, but Helms and Llewellyn, are those guys that you anticipate can be big contributors for this group?
0: Josh, I I mean, wasn't the the word on Helms kind of – it was always going to be about development, and maybe that process has been sped up a little bit because of the situation that they're in. And, oh, by the way, he's also been hurt for so long. Who really knows what his health status is going into this season?
1: Well, it's that. and He's also kind of an interesting fit. I mean, now, I want to say we're still kind of figuring out what Jeff Levy wants to do positionally with some of his guys. Like, is Braden Willis, is that how they always want to use a tight end, or is yeah. that – Kind of was that based on his skill set, and you know, can Levy be flexible within those things? Like, okay, we can do it a little differently depending on who we do have in the tight end room, or you know. So you're you're still learning those variables a little bit. But Caden Helms is not. I mean, Caden Helms is a flex tight end. He is a you know a Mark Andrews early in his career kind of guy. Uh, I, another good comp would be um uh oh Grant Calcaterra. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, parallel there as far as how they would best be deployed. So I don't know. But, I mean, Caden Helms is a big athletic guy. Like, I mean, there are reasons to believe that he can be a good player. Um, but what I thought was kind of interesting is the fact that they, Taylor Heim has started out at linebacker. Like, so clearly either they feel like, Helms and Llewellyn are going to be okay or they're you know they like Cade McIntyre and think he you know Cade McIntyre is not a guy they're gonna have to worry about being physically ready that that dude's a monster he'll be able to do some of the things they need him to do it's just whether he can process the information he needs to but uh, with Llewellyn I I think Llewellyn can be a guy that is um, that is useful especially in the run game being a blocking type of tight end now can he stay healthy? I, I don't know. I mean, that, and that's kind of the deal. Like, there's not a guy in this group where you're like, I feel good about that situation. I mean, Austin Stogner has some serious health history. Um, and, and at no point in his career, let's just be honest, has ever really been a dominant tight end. He's been a solid contributor, but nothing more than that, really anywhere he's been. You've got, you know, Helms and Llewellyn, two young guys, have a lot of injury history already in their time. And then you've got Cade McIntyre, who we just don't know and is coming from, you know, uh, has no real background playing the position. He's going to have to learn it as he goes, but he's obviously a very talented and athletic guy. So there's reason to believe it can happen. I just don't know if in year one that's realistic. And then you've got a walk-on that was, you know, playing basketball at Cameron not long ago. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, I, I think George is completely right that I, I think you can mask this to some degree i think you can get by but i mean that's kind of to me all that tight end room is going to be this year just getting by like can it can it not hurt you i don't think it's going to be exemplary but can it be decent enough to where it's not a negligent part of your um of your offense well you know how
2: that goes too though i mean this is this goes back to there's one only one bubba moses it's like that was Jermaine Gresham, right? That they're recruiting. Like, yep. you've got mm-hmm. to do something to make sure Mitchell stays in. You know, engaged, and that he doesn't start looking around. Sure. Like, you've got to show that you use your tight ends this year. And again, maybe yeah.
3: maybe one of those guys becomes a superstar. Yeah, it's just it's just another position group that I look at, and it's like,
0: what do we really know about these guys? Nothing exactly. And I, I sometimes it's okay to say that. Like, yeah. it, it really is. Sure. It, it doesn't mean that it's a good thing. It doesn't mean that it's just a completely negative thing. But, you know, I, if, if you're not going to get a whole lot out of the uh, the tight end unit, or if you're not going to make that a focal point of the offense, it's even more important that a Nick Anderson explodes or a Jaden Gibson explodes, or you're getting something out of Andre L. Anthony, because it can't be Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops, first, second down, and then you're punting. Yeah. And I think at tight end, too, it's important to
3: note that you've got to be able to block because you saw last year, Braden Willis opened up a lot of things for them in the run game and what he was able to do at the line of scrimmage. And I think Stogner will help with that. um, Some, but you know, Blake Smith, I think is a guy that they really like at doing that too. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what, what they do at that position group. And then at receiver, because we, again, we talk a lot about Dylan Gabriel and needing, you know, needing to be
0: better, but who's he throwing the ball to? Right. I mean, there's going to be, if he comes out and plays bad in, you know, I'd, Arkansas State's terrible, but SMU or something like that. And it's because wide receivers are dropping balls or you're starting, you know, kind of like the, the bug that they had last year where all of a sudden you look up and it's second and 16 because you had a hold on second and eight or second and six, whatever. Like, it just, I don't know. It, it's going to be really important and really kind of intriguing as Emmett Jones navigates his first year on the sidelines of Norman to see what he can get out of a wide receiver unit that doesn't have a whole lot there just in terms of on-field production but at the same time one of the first things that people talked about when they hired him was how well he develops wide the receivers element, yep. well let's see it through the first uh, you know couple games and i do wonder too and and this has been some discussion josh i think on
3: on the board chat you know does the offense look any different with you know having more quarterback depth bringing in someone like jackson arnold do you do some different things with Dylan Gabriel, that, that maybe they were worried about doing last year because you you knew if he went down they were screwed. I mean, do, do you guys think that we'll see a, a different offense in terms of what Lebby's doing? Maybe not tempo wise. I know I kind of dove into that a week ago or so, but
2: I'm down for 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 designing a you know a, a playbook kind of for Jackson Arnold where you give him a series in the first half or the second half or I you know it's hard to do that though because. I mean, Jeff Levy. Like, are
0: you proposing that, like, Jackson Arnold being a part of the offense from the get go?
2: Yeah, not like a, not like a uh, you know, a belldozer type deal. Right. But, right. you know, something where he gets a series. Like,
3: I was more so saying, it'd like, it'd are be they super gonna, interesting it if would that awesome. happened. That would be, I mean, that would be fun.
2: I but. mean, now, I think from the get go would be a little tough because you want Dylan Gabriel to get confidence, to play well, sure. to have that opportunity. Yeah. But if he is playing well and your offense is putting up a lot of points. Then I think you should look at that.
0: It's a lot easier to do that if you go out and you play well early, right? You know, yeah. and and how much do you show before the and, Big Twelve? And
2: maybe you use that like a motivation. You you tell Jackson like, look, I need you to be a team player. I need you to learn. I need you to support Dylan Gabriel. And if it goes well, we're going to start giving you a series every game.
0: I haven't heard a whole lot of this, so this would be a complete projection on my part. I'm not trying to cause any controversy. But I don't think that there is a division in that quarterback room. Maybe like there was with the Spencer and no, the, I agree, the ego 100%. and the confidence that Caleb Williams brought with him. I I think that uh, you know everything that we've heard, and then everything that we've heard, you know, kind of off the record too, is is that Jackson and Dylan get along extremely well. So and I don't there's think a much ever be, age difference, sure, between those sure. two. Sure, and it's probably I don't think a feeling of oh this. You know, this mf or behind me is trying to take my job. I think it's more of a, let's be a really good team because we know how important this is. Well, and Dylan said at the spring game that he knows Jackson's the next guy. I mean, I, I wrote yeah. that story. I mean, he was like, yeah,
3: I know Jackson's the next, you know, big deal here and, and talked about taking him under his wing.
2: I Well, you I, think about it like, okay, and then the, the Spencer and Caleb thing was, it's so different because... Spencer came in, and then they got this transfer in Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Then he had to be his backup. He sat behind. He waited his time. He probably thought he was better than Jalen Hurts, like most young, cocky five-star quarterbacks are going to think. Like, he should have gotten a better chance instead of, like, what was his only action, like, late in the, the bowl game when they were getting their heads kicked in? For who? For Spencer Rattler. Yeah, he also played, well, in, he the, played uh, in,
0: the, in the COVID season, which, you know, I, I think – but he's talking about his Spencer's first year.
2: His, his, oh, oh, his oh, true
0: well,
3: freshman he played, year. He played, he played I got some you. in the, I got you. the opener against whoever they, not Houston, but the next game. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, you're talking about. But, like,
2: yeah. but he waited that Can't whole year for his more. opportunity, for Jalen Hurts to be gone. And Jalen Hurts finished second in the Heisman. And he's like, this is my time to shine. And you're sitting there with Caleb Williams also, uh, you know, well, not that year, but you go through the year, the COVID year, like I said, you play well in the Cotton Bowl. Then you come back and you have this kid it's like, who are you? You haven't, you know, you haven't lived up to Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or Jalen yeah. Hurts. Like I'm going to take your job. Like Jackson Dylan's not in that situation. Well, and there was a lot
0: of like personal, I think, just conflict and beef between those two because I don't think Spencer was very mature at the time either. Right. I, don't it really I don't think he really. Those accepted. were also the con- the the competition maybe like you would as, want. As we found out too, those are two very big egos and two very different. I feel like personalities, even yes. without knowing.
3: I mean, them. Even talking to Spencer last week at SEC Media Days, a lot of that's not gone away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but Dylan doesn't. Dylan doesn't have a big ego, at least from what you know. We've talked to him. I, I will say he's, he's more confident than it seems he was a year ago. But but back to my my point was, you know, now that you, if you're Jeff Levin, you know, okay, I do have a reliable backup in Jackson Arnold you know, do you run Dylan Gabriel more? Do you do more things where maybe it's a a longer developing play to get the ball out, you know, deep or or whatever it is, you know, does that, does the offense look any different because you say, okay, I actually know there's somebody behind Dylan that can
0: take over if if need be. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of it too is, is I, at the end of the year, whether the numbers tell you, then they probably tell you that they weren't, especially in short yardage, but OU's ability to be able to run the football opens everything up, and that's you know pretty obvious. Yeah. Did you know Dylan only had four fourth-quarter touchdowns last year?
3: Doesn't surprise me.
1: That's not very good. In, in total, like rushing, passing, or? I think just passing.
3: I don't know about wow. r- rushing. He only had four fourth-quarter. He had uh, nine first-quarter and I think nine second-quarter touchdowns. So they his production, if you look at his production through the quarters, it just takes a massive—he was phenomenal in the first quarter. Just really, really good. One of the best in the country in first quarters and one of the worst in
1: the fourth quarter. Guys, George has brought up, you know, kind of the the difference in Lebby's style. And, again, it's it's always tough to just take blank stats and just say this is what it is. But just interesting to note, and it's something I think I talked about um, last year when I did some of the film review of Lebby. So, you know, OU fans can kind of have an idea of what they were looking at. As a senior, Matt Corral in 2020 run ran 152 times for Ole Miss. Last year, Dylan Gabriel ran 89. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think but in Jeff Levy's perfect world, Dylan Gabriel will run the ball more. I don't know if he's going to run 150 times. Sure. But I, could I think Matt Corral is a better runner than, than Gabriel is? But you also but, couldn't risk –
2: you know, yeah. losing him, right?
1: Like, I, I, especially after TCU 100%. in Texas,
0: it felt like they were starting to unleash it a little bit more in that TCU game, or and going boom, into yeah. that TCU game, and then all of a sudden you come out of the Cotton Bowl and you're like, "Well, shit! If he's not out on the field, you can't do anything offensively."
1: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna rub, we're gonna wrap him in bubble wrap, right? B- every single snap. So, yeah. I mean that 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 was just, I mean, guys, we talked about it going into the season. That was the one guy you were like, "They can't lose him." Anybody else, win. and they did, and and it just. That it seemed like everything got off schedule from that point forward. But I I would say, and I I I hate being this guy because I kind of I was you know one of the people that kind of jabbed at people in the spring with this talk. But I'm one of those people. If Jackson Arnold gets if there's some reason like Dylan Gabriel goes down something like that and Jackson Arnold's allowed to play the majority of a game, I'm. I'm not convinced that Dylan Gabriel immediately returns as the starter.
2: So you're saying Jackson could
1: yeah. beat him out I, with a yeah. performance? I, I I think that I, and I I've said it a couple times. Like if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, I'm not that interested in knocking Dylan Gabriel out of the game. <laughs> like I like guys like like we're gonna do some Alex Grinch tackling. We're gonna roll him down. We're gonna we're gonna be at a little more. Uh, careful with jamoy hodge you need to tone it down we're not knocking him out like that that feels I, I don't know i mean like i just the more i talk to people and the more i hear things Jax arnold just kind of has that thing yeah i don't i don't know how to put my finger on it but like there's just something about him that i, I don't know it t- tells I, me i'm he's telling you be even better than i thought
2: i'm telling you right now everyone inside that program they're excited about the future with Jackson. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: He's doing things right now just as a, as a freshman and it's not even particularly football stuff. Uh, And I guess it could be considered football stuff, but like almost kind of running seven on seven stuff in his own way. And obviously Dylan's there. I don't think he's like trying to unseat him or anything, but it's very apparent that he is comfortable with everybody looking at him. And, you know, I think that it's easier to do that when you come from a, program like Denton Geyer where you know the eyes of kind of the quote-unquote Texas high school football scene has always been on him it's a comfortable position for him uh and you know I, I to a certain extent I don't know how comfortable Dylan was a year ago being the quarterback at Oklahoma and maybe there's too much that's put into that in a certain in a certain level but I do think that it affects how you go day to day it affects how you go out and play on Saturdays uh with kind of the weight of the world and the weight of uh the the kind of the monster that is Oklahoma football.
2: You know what? If we're having an impromptu budget meeting here, uh, I would say, George, like, one of the things that Brent said at, at Big 12 Media Days that has me so intrigued is talking about Danny Stutzman and player-led practices. Like, I would love to know, like, what the anatomy is of a player-led practice. Like, talking to older guys like Jordan Kelly, like, is it different than it's ever been? Like, are, are players expected to be more accountable for leading practices? um because nobody's ever talked about that kind of stuff before.
3: Yeah, and I
0: wonder, like, is that something that they did under the old regime?
3: Like, is that exactly. something? Yeah, no, no. yeah,
0: that that it's it it's not. Like, yeah. Danny's talked about it. He talked about it a little bit at Big Twelve Media Day, just as far as how uncomfortable, and I don't know about uncomfortable, but just how foreign that was to him, and especially when you go back and you're trying to lead these summer workouts or whatever. And A, you hadn't played in a defense before. You hadn't been on the field. And then B, you don't really know the defense like they know it now. And particularly somebody in a Danny Stutzman. And
2: and that's the reason why I want this to work for Brent. Because stuff like that is like, that's big boy ideas. Like Mm -hmm. to teach your players how to practice when you're not there. Like, I just don't think people have thought that much about it. But obviously Brent comes in here and he's like, this is what you do in a, a successful program is when we're not there, the, the older guys have to be able to get everyone together and go conduct a practice. It's not going to be the same as with the coaches there, but it's going to be better than a bunch of guys out there running around playing grab ass. Well, and it,
0: I guess it probably isn't a surprise that that probably falls under discipline within a program, which mm-hmm. yeah, I think everybody would argue towards the end of uh, you know, particularly that final year under Briley. Stuff, stuff like that had waned. I, I don't think that there was a whole lot of focus being put on stuff uh, that, you know, it, it's it's kind of the talk about all the small things, and you go back and you listen to some of the stuff that Brent, I'll I'll say this, you know, till I die, that if you go back and you listen to some of the stuff that Brent talked about in the introductory press conference and then some of the stuff that he even said at the beginning of the season last year, uh, he was basically telling you that everything wasn't okay. Like, and I, I think that there's, it. maybe it's the a hindsight type of deal where you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's of course what he was talking about, and maybe it was unintended in a way, but I do think that they were basically telling you like, this is going to be a rough uphill battle. Like we're going to have to figure, we're still Oklahoma. We're going to have really good players. And on a given Saturday, we're just going to be better than the other football team, but to actually go and compete and be a team that, you know, they want to be and go win a big 12 championship. I mean, look at Kansas state. It's not because they have a ton of athletes up there. It's because they were really good disciplined football team.
2: By the way, I, I truly believe that the homeless problem on Campus Corner has produced some of the most aggressive flies in the history. God, of they're guy.
3: all over in here. part of that's we've got fuzzies just sitting out. But, but they're, yeah, they're so aggressive. Over. They, uh, all over me.
2: In your face, all over your body, like just. By the stop.
3: way, uh, I looked up those Dylan Gabriel four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Two of them came against Texas Tech, so half of them came in one game. Those four fourth quarter touchdowns. Not passes. great. And he did not have any rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter so only four total touchdowns from dylan gabriel in the fourth quarter yeah that's not good it's not good they just weren't good at the end of games no, i mean they were and, terrible. and look they were bad at other times too but
0: just in those tight games man it's, offense it's crazy and how they bad, were bad they were in the fourth quarter though and at the same time you think back of how many games they were truly in with two three minutes to play i mean even the baylor game if you want to say that they were technically in that game needing a stop and get off the field and get the ball back to the offense. Uh, it's, it's stuff like that that adds up. And, you know, obviously, 17, 18, 19, they were able to truly get away with murder out there, like just how poor they were defensively. They were always able to find a way out of that hole that they dug because they had historically great offenses.
2: I'd like to take this moment to apologize to Dylan Gabriel for hiring the world's biggest uh, Dylan Gabriel hater. <laughs>
3: Hey, I defended Dylan back in spring all you know i I was all over you know saying that it was crazy talking about Jackson Arnold beating him out for the starting job and I still think it it should be Dylan's job, but uh, I do think it might look different with jackson
2: it's you know, up to, being look it's it's available. up to, it's up to Dylan Gabriel to keep the job yeah to play yeah. well and to silence the doubters, yeah. And I, you know, I think he'd be the first
0: person. Like, he kind of talked about it in Arlington at Big 12 Media Day. Like, he's the first person to tell you they have to be better offensively or, you know, they really are in a bad way. And I think that, you know, with the guys that they have around them, it feels like they should be better in some spots. But there's just so many question marks about guys that you just can't sit here and say, yeah, he's going to be a, you know, I, you can't sit here and say that Jahlil Farouk's going to be a Blitnikov semifinalist. I mean, I think that'd be almost kind of crazy to say right now. But then you do fall back on this idea that, kind of like you said, Josh, the the schedule, when you look at it, it it offers many opportunities. I mean, out of the 12 games, they're probably going to be favored in 11 of them. And the one being that they wouldn't be uh, favored in is Texas, right?
2: I think that's right, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that should and be right now. Like,
0: that's not to say that, like, you know, going out to Provo in late November is not it's not going to be easy because it's cer- certainly something new. I don't think BYU is going to be any good. Even Cincinnati at the beginning of the year. Cincinnati shouldn't be very good. It's a game that Oklahoma, the team last year. Yeah, they could go up there and lose for sure. But you work your way through these games where you go, yeah, they should win that. And all of a sudden you look up and you go, how does this team not win 10 games?
2: All right. Uh, is there uh,
1: anything else that we wanted to hit on
2: before we get out of here today?
1: Were you saying uh, something, I, Josh? Uh Well, I was just gonna, I was gonna continue the Gabriel stuff, but we'll, we'll get out of here. That, that's fine. Um, I did want to say that we talked. Uh, I guess is this is the um, pod notes. Uh, the Robert Spears Jennings big hit that we talked about was on the extra point for West Virginia when he just cleared out the the holder and Bowman picked up the ball and ran it back. I think for, I believe that was a two point conversion. that yeah, time. was. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was the big moment. Oh, you took a 12, six lead into halftime in Morgantown.
0: There was one on the West sidelines.
1: Yes. Here I remember in that. Norman
0: yeah. that, uh, and I think it might've been the Kansas game.
1: I just
2: remember seeing that going, who the hell is that? And where has that been?
0: All yeah. Year? Where, where, where's this guy been?
2: So, yeah, no, it was a great show today. A uh, little longer than usual, but that's always fine. Um, Real
0: quick. Yeah. We made it an entire podcast without NIL talk, but the federal <laughs> legislation that's been put out. Damn
2: it, Eddie. You know, people are just kind of come I, after me well, now. I, I, I know, <laughs> They're but. they are going to blame Terry. I, 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 I feel like this is a pretty. Are you pretty trying to win aspect? this guy on the, on the Crimson Corner like a year subscription or something? Because I, I told him. I told him. If I brought he could prove that I talk about NIL on every podcast that he would have to have a—he couldn't prove he I was going to ban him for a year.
0: It's a bipartisan issue.
2: I just don't know why people get so upset about NIL talk. I mean, I think I have a clue why, is, but I'm I not mean, sure. There
0: is an irony, in I think somebody said it on the board maybe yesterday, that for the longest time, NIL was the biggest issue with Oklahoma recruiting— and given the last couple of weeks and the way that it things seems have gone, like they
2: really excel at nil. It, it
0: seems like they might have had their shit figured out, despite you know the, the detractors of it. But at the same time, I do think that like with you know the the bill that's been put out there, something's gonna happen. Like they're not that was gonna a
2: bullshit bill. I mean, they throw that wait, thing about one? the three there's years. Been a, been I'm talking bill. about the Tommy Tuberville, Tommy one. And yeah.
0: Tuberville and Mansion the, the one to that they put that out you yesterday. Can't in the transfer pass,
2: for three years. That's
0: never gonna fly.
2: Well, that bill's not—why even put that in the bill? You're just ruining well, the bill I mean, before it even starts. they're idiots. Well, it's I the mean, same I, with uh, making
3: them, them employees. That, that
0: type of bill will never get
2: right. passed. They but tried I, that in California. And we it's, are like, at a point, though, where
0: something's going to happen. Like, they're not going to just have inaction for the next six months on it. Well,
2: I mean, and here's the thing. I think this is why people get mad. They want NIL just to stay like it is because it's helping Oklahoma. And I get that. I do. Like, if it's just mass chaos, then— OU's playing that game well and as well as anybody. But here's the problem. Even the people, the people closest to it and the people that are giving the money now, they know that they're not going to continue giving this much money. Like it's going to, it's not, as they say, it's not sustainable. The, the collective, even the collectives notice, they put together this group to go to Congress because I read the On3 article today. One of their main guys says, this is not sustainable. Like you can't keep doing it this way so that it's got to be figured out but i don't think the NCAA... i mean i don't i don't think they or congress have the ability to come out with anything that's fair for the athletes i don't think eddie
3: you say you think it, nothing's going to change i think nothing is going to change because we're They're dealing just with gonna people do this dance that, for the next yeah i just don't think i think you might see some change in in local governments like you've seen local bills get passed and and stuff like that but in terms of national you know guidelines and regulations that it seems that you know people are pushing for, I don't think it'll actually come to fruition. Or if it does, it'll be very minimal. It's just scary. This is
2: what I think is going to happen. It's going to keep operating like it is right now while universities start putting their best foot forward to try and figure out how to do NIL on their terms, where you'll have both of these things going on at the same time. Uh, and I think it'll just stay that way until you know, a- athletic departments figure out a way to make it sustainable To where it's to their advantage. And then, you know, the bigger schools or, you know, the schools that start losing out, they're going to continue that pressure to get it. But it's not going to change overnight. And there's I haven't seen one ounce of hope that anyone in Congress is going to put something together that both the NCAA will agree with, the players will agree with, the fans will agree with. So, yeah, George, I think you're right. I think it'll just keep going like it has been for a while anyway.
3: Yeah, I just don't trust.
2: Three years, I say three years. It's going to be this way.
3: Yeah, I just don't trust the government to do anything productive. And then obviously the NCAA has shown no effort to do anything. So I,
2: well, Tuberville and that man- mansion is that the guy that he authored it with? Like, it is clearly like old man yelling in a cloud legislation, like trying to turn the time back. Sure. Yeah. And that genie is out of the bottle. You're not putting it back in.
0: Yeah. And I don't. Or I guess it's m- toothpaste. I don't two. know if they completely understand that.
2: And, well, I and I mean, that think that Tommy Tuberville, he was out of touch when he left college football. He's still out of touch and just getting further out of touch the longer he's away from
3: it. Sure. The only person I trust to actually get any change is Greg Sankey. Now, if he runs for president, then maybe they'll change something. But I don't. After listening to Greg Sankey last week, I'm like, OK, this guy can get stuff done. And I, I think Charlie I Baker
2: kind of gets it. And he's more mm. and he's better than Emmert. But at the same time, he's just going to do the really pro NCAA bill. That's what he wants. Yeah. Because the colleges want to control this. The in, The institutions want to – and they want to they, they be the ones to make money off of it. Right, which is, I think,
0: something that Andy Staples pointed out yesterday is the fact that the schools have it so good right now, the donors are footing the bill for everything. Mm-hmm. They just sit back and let everything act. But then you have people that are coming in and – it kind of goes back to i think what everybody has followed in recruiting especially over the last five years and probably more specifically like the last 10 years even is the idea that these five-star kids are going to go to you know wherever uab or whatever and they're they're never going to have that opportunity like i think that the the smaller schools are saying they don't want to be used as feeders right they don't want to somehow sign this three-star kid that turns into somebody that you know, maybe should have been a five-star, and then all of a sudden he's at Alabama or Oklahoma or wherever.
2: The funny thing about the whole thing to me is this. You talk about NIL. What is really NIL? Like, Livvy Dunn has no problems with NIL. She, Caleb Williams, they have no problems with NIL. Right. Those are the people that were going to make all the money in the first place. Right. It was never meant to be a system where everybody gets paid 50 grand a year. And I think that— For no
0: reason. There's people that— Other than being football think players. Think that that's what— was supposed to happen that you know, out of the starting eleven on Oklahoma's defense, you were going to have you everyone know, maybe, gets a hundred thousand. Maybe this guy makes five hundred thousand dollars, but everybody's going to be, I guess, sharing profit in a certain way, evenly. When it's not the case, even when these guys get to the NFL, the quarterback's going to be making. Like I, I saw something about uh, the in like twenty thirteen, Aaron Rodgers was making eighteen million dollars. There was only twelve quarterbacks that were making over eighteen million at the time. I think now there's four guys that are making over 60 this next season. Jesus. With like, I think more than I want to say it was 18 is the number. Like they're Tyler's all making, making over 25 million and this Tyler year. making 40 or something. Yeah, I mean it's insane. The the money that quarterbacks are making is absolutely and insane. Sam's right now. first
2: contract was 70 total, I think. Oh, and he, he earned
0: drafted. every part of that.
2: I said that was when he got drafted, though.
0: Yeah, that was the signing bonus. He was in he was the final class right, with the massive the, uh, signing bonuses and stuff before like the, that.
2: the—, the staggered or whatever they call them.
1: Eddie, I've, I've always meant to ask, and it's never been like a reasonable topic or like never been in line with what we're talking about. Did he think about that? Like, was that part of his decision to go when he went? Like, or was that just kind of an ancillary bonus? Uh,
0: I think that it probably certainly helped. I, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I think probably at the end of everything, too, with the way that his senior year went uh, in Norman in 2009, getting hurt again and stuff like that, I, I think that he yeah. knew that it was also time to go.
1: Okay. Because I think, I, I think I just, he thought I, about I, I leaving
0: wonder. after – oh, wait, after the national championship year. Yeah. And then I think they all bought back in, and, you know, he wanted to come back with uh, Jermaine, and all of a sudden Jermaine's out for the year uh, with the knee injury, and, God, it was just a, kind of a shit storm.
1: The, I've never seen a year go from just unbelievable expectation to just shit show. that fact. Like That Nebraska game is still one of the most abominable football games I've ever watched. So so bad. Was that the
0: uh, like twelve to six game or something?
1: Yes, Landry threw five interceptions, I believe, five that six. night. Sue Sue yeah. was just dumb and, and Dominic. Dominic
2: and Sue did One literally of the worst. Like I mean, whatever he wanted. You talk about Baker versus Mahomes. That was the complete opposite. Watching Landry playing Nebraska <laughs> that night, it was like Who a, was, it was. It became a game of five hundred. Was it like Zach, Was that Taylor
1: Ta- Martinez? Taylor? That's, yeah. yeah so, it was, no, uh, or, no,
0: it was. Uh, uh, it
3: was I'm it thinking, not? Uh, it wasn't Zach Taylor. Taylor was it? I like, said Zach Taylor, but I thought that was the name of the – no, that's Zach Robinson, Oklahoma State. Zach Robinson. Yeah. Was it, would have been, State. it would have been uh, Taylor Mar- I'm pretty Martinez sure because
2: been, in 2010 they played in the Big 12, the final Big 12, 12, 12 championship. championship game. So that was '09, mm-hmm. 9 yeah. yeah.
3: Well, let's just keep going another hour. We could do this. Yeah, all we'll take, I'm we'll,
0: loving it. We'll take a quick break, hear from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could literally do the longest pod we ever wanted to do. If we, we
0: probably could.
2: And, and someone is at our door what are they the doing scoopers
1: I guess hmm. maybe they want to come well on you know pot. who else is on that Nebraska team Rex Burkhead Kerry you want to start on the Rex Burkhead it's probably time to go
2: oh I think that's Izzy <laughs> I think that's our realtor oh okay or, land, or lease companies yeah that's Izzy there you go I don't know we're popular Even the landlord wants to show us off.
0: How much
3: longer till the longest pod? Like, what's the record?
2: (laughs) If we went another 20 minutes, I think it'd be the longest pod ever.
0: Let's keep it rolling. We'll get two hours next week.
2: Yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, Media day coming up on Tuesday, I believe. So my uh, colonoscopy coming up on Monday. Might be a little under the weather on Tuesday.
0: TMI. Can... uh is that why you asked me if I was doing anything Monday? Do I have to go? Is that a Scoop HD feature?
2: <laughs> no, I just need, I need a driver. That's for sure. They um, say you have to wake up at 3 in the morning to take the last of the exit juice. I think you do.
0: That's what
2: she said. I think said. you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a way to end the pod. What do you uh, know about that? <laughs> That'll do it uh, for this edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast. Uh, Thanks to everybody out there for listening, uh, and uh, stay tuned. We're getting bigger and bigger and better. I would say next week uh, you have a chance of maybe getting YouTube back. We'll see. Um, Maybe not with camp starting. I shouldn't make those promises. Uh, But we will have a lot of stuff uh, from camp that we haven't done before as well. I know George and Eddie are fired up about doing some stand-ups over there. Uh, So looking forward to that. More of that, more on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash Soonerscoop. Uh, We're on pretty much every pod platform that's out there. And don't forget, uh, we are now on on On3. If you're stuck over at Rivals, uh, you need to make make the move. We'll uh, be announcing some camp specials here coming up uh, as well, probably when this pod comes out. Uh, But I believe Monday we're going to release some – subscription specials for camp. So keep an eye out for that. If you're looking to subscribe and you just haven't pulled the trigger yet, uh, please do support uh, the pod, support the site, support the office. Uh, We appreciate everybody who does that. So thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.